Taylor's Tins, one of the best there is. A good friend of ours and supporter of National Fire Radio. He comes up first in a lineup of sponsors because he means that much to me. Taylor's been with us from day one. I hit him up on day one and said, brother, I love your shield. I love what it represents. I'd like to give them out to all of our podcast guests. And from day one, almost five years ago, we've been issuing Taylor's Tins to all of our guests as a keepsake and recognition for their willingness to share some time and their story with us in our community at National Fire Radio. These aluminum helmet fronts, they change the market. They're revolutionary in what they do. Even if you're a traditionalist with the leather shield, the aluminum shield offers so much when it comes to durability, cleanliness, decon. They can do it all with the aluminum shield. Their customer service, let's talk about that for a minute, where things usually take several weeks now to get your hands on them from the from conception to manufacturing process and out the door and onto your helmet. Taylor can turn around orders within 48 hours, whether it's a 500-piece shield order for your department or a one-off customized shield. Taylor's doing them, and he's doing them within 48 hours, and they're getting out the door. It's not just the helmet shields. Nope, there's more. They got locker tags, carbon monoxide meter, you know, data sheets. They have pump data sheets, pump tags, locker tags, street signs, banquet gifts. You name it, the list goes on and on. Check them out at taylorstins.com. That's where they conduct business. You can hit them up on the chat right there. They walk you through the process of designing your custom Taylor's Tin from the website. So go to taylorstins.com, check them out. They represent the very best of what the American Fire Service is all about, and I'm proud to have them as a sponsor of the National Fire Radio platform. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. Another great sponsor of the National Fire Radio podcast, Fire Department Coffee. Based out of Rockford, Illinois, Fire Department Coffee is a veteran-owned, firefighter-run coffee company dedicated to providing great-tasting, freshly roasted coffee to people everywhere. Along with providing a growing selection of incredible coffee, including signature spirit-infused roasts, Fire Department Coffee also supports our fellow first responders in need through the Fire Department Coffee Foundation by giving back to those who have been injured on the job, mentally or physically, or who are facing other serious health challenges. They are a company that supports our own. Check out Fire Department Coffee. They have so much to offer. Jason Patton and his crew are good friends of the National Fire Radio brand. We appreciate them for being a sponsor of our podcast. Check them out. Fire Department Coffee. They're brewing coffee to support us. Hey, everybody. Jeremy, National Fire Radio, back at it on the audio platform today. Battalion Chief Corley Moore. More Oklahoma. We'll get into why they named the city after him, but I want to talk about the firehouse vigilance and the weekly scrap. Corley, thanks for joining me, buddy. Brother, I always enjoy our conversations, and I'm looking forward to this one. I think that you are probably you've been on the podcast now a few times with me. I think two or three times. Um, yes. I think you might be one of the more regularly scheduled guests that are on here, and, and we don't talk enough because I absolutely enjoy talking to you because I find that you're always lifting me up and uh, and I appreciate that man you are such a gentleman and you have such a passion for what you do and I want to get into all that today um, but I just want to say thank you because you push man. me to make me better so thank you you are too kind and I tell my wife this all the time Jeremy has an ability a natural gift to make people feel good about themselves and it's a gift man so uh, I love that that's one of the reasons people love talking to you uh, thank you. I, it's important to me. I'll be honest. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's important to me because I think there's too much negativity in this world. And I think everybody has a story and everybody has something to share. And I think everybody brings something to the table. And when we dismiss people or we're short or curt with them because we are having a bad day or we don't want to give an extra minute and lend an ear or lend a hand. I think that's why we're losing and we need to win. And so if that means an extra few minutes of having a conversation or an extra few minutes of helping somebody along or just giving a smile and a thank you and a please and thank you, like we win. Right. I mean, that, that's what it's about. That is powerful, man. That, that is, that is a powerful life philosophy right there, man. I, listen, no I, I have not always been that way. And, and I'll be honest with you. I think national fire radio has made me more accountable in my life. I walk into firehouses daily 
and I walk into more Oklahoma to a bunch of guys that have never met me before, nor they probably don't even know who I am, but I want to introduce myself and say hello and spread some of my passion and love for the fire service. I'll walk into firehouses across the country, and whether they know me or not, I, I just want to have a conversation, but I'm walking in on their turf, and that means respect. That means professionalism, you know, and, and so on, and that's important to me, and I think uh, not enough of us carry it that way. And so National Fire Radio has made me more accountable for how I act, for how I respond, for how I talk to people, and uh, and not just in the fire service, but in life in general. I find myself to be uh, more mild-tempered than I used to be. I find myself more reserved. I still am strongly opinionated, but, uh, right. you know, and so on, and, and so on. But I, I find that I've backed way down compared to where I used to be. Oh, man, and that's really interesting because uh, I know you had Bobby on uh, just the other day. Yeah. And... He talked about the name on my, uh, or my, it's my father's last yes. name, not just my last. Yeah, you know, I'm representing him. But it kind of carries with that is is you're representing National Fire Radio now. It's like this extra level of accountability, not just 100%. yourself. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. And so you have to live up to that every time you walk into a fire station. Yeah. And well, and, and so that bridges right into the conversation about you because you have found this passion within. Yeah, I, I have to think that you've always enjoyed the fire service. I know that when we've talked previous podcasts and conversations and so on, I know how much you love the fire service. And then you decided to hop in with the firehouse vigilance, putting a creed together, believing in your mission, believing in the philosophy of making the job bigger and better than us as the individual and putting them first and all of that. But then you decide Absolutely. to roll out this weekly scrap, this little this right. little project from your spare bedroom in your home that has now exploded into a premier podcast live recording that you do weekly with the biggest and best names of the industry. How did you get there? Oh, brother, dude, I <laughs> tell people this all the time. I mean, when they ask me, and I tell them I am the luckiest person in the fire service, plain and simple, because uh, how it played out is, is just pure dumb luck. And then consistency, I think is the other part, but, uh, that's the part I contributed. Yeah, but, but 100%, I don't... Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, don't sell yourself short, man, because, you know, you had an idea, and yes, man, it it ex it blew up. I watched from very early on, I was watching, and um, the one thing I like to do is sit back and watch. As much as I talk and as much as I'm in front of the camera, I like to... I, I probably watch and listen more than I talk and show, and... No, you are you are a good observer. I've, I've recognized that. Yeah, and, and so I, I was watching from afar early on, and it was exciting to watch because... My new tagline for the podcast when I sign off these things is keep talking about the job because when we talk about the job, we make the job better. And, right. and that's what you're doing. And I think what's fun about that is to watch, and, and as much as you want to say it's luck, I'm a firm believer you create your own luck. And you no, are creating no. your own luck. Talk about that because you have become so passionate and dedicated to the scrap and the belief in your creed that it makes a difference about who you are and what you're putting out. Talk about that. This is what's tough, Jeremy, is that I think one of the reasons it's successful, this is uh, digging into my own psyche. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Do it. Me. Do it. But, but I, I think one of the reasons it's so successful is because I really am uncomfortable talking about myself or having attention on myself. And so it, it, it makes me a naturally really, uh, I say naturally, it makes me a really good interviewer because I, I just want to hear what they have to say. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So Absolutely. Even right now, when you're, when you're, when you're interviewing me right now, I realize I'm really, man, I got to get better at uh, when answering these questions. Cause I'm really uncomfortable right now, even talking about uh, the hours of work and the, and the, the dedication and the sacrifices that my family has made for it and things like that. Uh, because it, that's about me and that's not what it's about. Is that, so, so that, that's what makes it tough. But no, uh, I a hundred percent. One of my favorite quotes of all time is, uh, is luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity and uh, Seneca way back in the day, <clears throat> you know, and that is one of my all time favorite quotes. So when you say make our own luck, I, I firmly believe that the uh, setting yourself up for when the opportunity comes along is the key to getting lucky. And what you did can you sit around and say, Oh, go ahead. No. What, what was that quote? When preparation meets, what was it? Uh, when preparation meets opportunity, uh, luck is luck is the intersection of uh, preparation and opportunity. Love that. And I always break it down and say, how many times have we not gotten lucky because we weren't prepared when our opportunity came? 
and you know you can't answer that, that question really because how many have we missed you know that, how many have i missed but that sums up what we do every day in the firehouse i mean that that is powerful right when you break that yeah. down and unpack that a little bit i mean that is that's pretty powerful well i really do think uh, I get, uh, rabbit trails but that's what we do but uh you know post-traumatic stress is a real thing post-traumatic stress injury post-traumatic stress disorder real thing but i really do feel a lot of uh wish I could remember the term about guilt. It's not survivor guilt, but there's another one. But, um, and then my brain's going to lock up as I try to think of the term. That's okay. That's all right. is you, you go to a job and, and you don't, you don't have a good outcome because something you failed at. And then you start asking yourself, did I do enough to prepare for it? What is it? My, my, my lackadaisical approach, my, my you know, anybody, this can happen to anybody, you know, but uh, has a bad outcome. I'm not saying someone died, but someone was injured or maybe someone did die. And now you're living with the fact that you weren't, you know, and that's just a, a big part of what I feel like is part of it. Uh, and I know you, that wasn't exactly the, the direction, but. Do you think that a lot of people really have that self-reflection on themselves? I, I, I've gotten in this conversation recently. This, this falls into the whole accountability and you know where I stand on a lot of these things and, 100%. you know, and so I, I just wrote down, did I do enough? And then under it, I just did bad outcome. How many, do you think that I'd like to think that in this business, in the, in the fire service, when we don't do well or we don't perform as expected or we fell down on the job and something happened and we were directly responsible for an ill outcome that happens. Do you think that everybody self-reflects and says, man, I should have done more. I should have been better. I'm worried that we're getting away from that accountability. I'm worried that guys are burying that. And maybe that is part of that <clears throat> undue stress that we, that we bring on ourselves is that when we pretend, I think too often we're not putting it on the table anymore. And when, Oh, yeah. We're not oh, holding yeah. when we're not holding each other accountable and holding ourselves accountable, then maybe that's where a lot of those demons come from. Is because in that psyche, in that in that back corner of your brain, you know you effed up, but you're not right. taking no, you're not taking responsibility for it. No, and it's a hundred. I would say it's a very low percentage that actually takes ownership. Yes, and, I, I, and I'll, I'll caveat everything with this: is I am not a healthcare professional. I'm not a, a psychiatrist, psychologist, or trained in. Any no, I get it. Me neither. Everything I speak about is anecdotal at best. Yes, but I firmly believe this: once there's only two ways you can handle it. You can either own it, which I think is a very low percentage. You own it and say, "I wasn't ready. I didn't do enough." Okay, and some some people are so far that they beat themselves up when they shouldn't. But that's a separate topic. And then the other way is the subconsciously, you know, you should do it, but you bury it and it's self-deception. And that's where complacency creeps in because to justify being able to look at yourself in the mirror, it's self-deception and excuses. I love and talking. So that's your two, yeah, go, go, go. That's the two roads you can take ownership or self-deception. And so, uh, and there's consequences for both. I love how eloquent you put it. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty rough around the edges, so I, I, that's exactly what I'm thinking. But you just put it in this beautiful, poetic way, man. That's what I love about <laughs> you. But here's, here's what I like. I've sat through uh, one or two of the classes that you offer because outside of the Firehouse Vigilance and the Weekly Scrap, you also tour the country now. And I have to think that your popularity has grown with the Weekly Scrap, which allows more opportunity for you to really get some of your classes out there and, and push forward to spread the word. What you just talked about in the last two minutes here is very powerful. And you do break a lot of this down within your classes, no? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and teaching, out of everything I do, uh, presenting, I guess, is, is probably the word I've used to, to say what I do. But presenting is my favorite thing to do. Uh, presenting ideas and discussing them with the crowd. I love it, man. It's my, that's probably ultimately the most rewarding thing uh, to myself out of everything I do, if that makes uh, sense what I'm saying. Well, 100%. I uh, 100%. I, I, like, I, love this, mm -hmm. I love the scrap. I love the interviews. I love this right here. I, writing is an outlet for me to get ideas down on paper. But, man, the, the, it's, it's kind of like uh, it, it, making music is fun. Right? Yes. Writing a song and being with people and all that is fun. But getting up in front of a crowd and playing the song, nothing matches that. 
that like <laughs> if the analogy plays out. Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, it's one thing to be in the studio and honing the process and building that product, but man, that unveiling when you can get on stage or be in front and be able to now deliver something that you're passionate about. There is this unbelievable like euphoria feeling. I've had it. I've been there. I do it too. Yes. You know, and it's, it's a validation of, oh, other people understand what I'm trying to say. They they identify. They get this. And it's, it's, it's hugely validate, uh, valid, validating. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the word. Of, yeah. It. It's also, it's also part of my selfishness of all this, right? Like, you know, it's always give, give, give. And I talk about the value proposition and I like to give, I try to always give yeah. more than I take and all that. Right. And that's very important to me, but let's not confuse the conversation either. I'm not perfect. And trust me, there are very, I have many selfish needs in life that I need to keep me going. And one of them man, do I love hosting and engaging and talking with people and finding that and and what fuels me with pushing these podcasts out and talking to guests and talking to people and why I do what I do. It's my selfish endeavor because I need that. I need to find, yeah, go, 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 go. Yes. No, no. A thousand percent. I, I, I identify completely with what you're saying, but a lot of, and it comes back to what you talked about earlier, the value proposition and then the humility we talked about even before then, you know, you have to have the humility to look in the mirror and say, I'm going to bring value, but this is not about me, but this absolutely validates me and fulfills me in some way, shape or form. And that's okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here. It's funny. I'm just like sitting back in my chair going like, Yes, because I, I think you and I are, are very similar in a lot of ways, you know, um, and I think we get each other pretty well. Yeah, um, <laughs> our, our phone conversations. Uh, yeah, they're the fun. The length of our phone conversations is a very good uh, measurement stick of how well we get along. It's, you know, and I would I would love to have like I almost want to you're going to hear it here first. I want to put together like a community of guys like us that travel, that do podcasts, that that talk with guests, put it together and do like a Zoom meeting once a month of all of us and just being like, you know, absolutely tapping and mentoring each other about like what works, what doesn't work, what we tried, what we didn't try. Like, and because there, there is a very uniqueness to what we do. And it's oftentimes I get people that go, what do you do? And I'm like, well, that's, right. a, that's a very good question because I seem to do it all. And I'm involved with so much, but I, and, and sometimes that's a, to a detriment that I don't focus enough on one or two things, sure. which, which sets me behind where I probably should be, but that's okay because I love in the, in the words of Gary V, who was somebody that was important to me to get national fire radio off the ground. Gary Vaynerchuk, if you're not familiar with him, I would suggest you go find his oh, podcast. Oh, Gary, and listen. Gary v, yeah. It's yeah, it's. Yeah, but what what that's done for me, though, is that has pushed me to believe that we need to give more, do more, and deliver. And it it just fires me up, my daily selfishness, that I need to have this conversation with Corley more today. I need this to push me to keep doing what I do because when I do, do see the delivered product and the conversations I have with people and you're able to give them a slice of advice or a lesson learned that happened to me along my journey and it helps them. Damn. Like that right there, man, that sums it all up for me. Dude, that sounds amazing. Like that, I I can think of the people, you know, the people I would say, Hey, let's get this person. Let's get this person. Let's get this person there. You know, and, and just to have that kind of a a peer support in, in this, in this realm of what we do, and the other part is, is like everybody I'm thinking of in my head all has imposter syndrome. So they're all going to say, why am I in here with all you people? Yeah. Same thing I would say as I look around the room, you know, the Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think the the humbleness to write that imposter syndrome, like, but I think guys also got to start owning this stuff too. You work very, that, you work very hard at what you do. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I was just going to say like, you know, hard work matters and it should be recognized. And I know that you were probably one of the most prepared people I've met in this, in this line of, of what we do. You are constantly note-taking idea taking. I mean, you wrote a book. We're going to actually written more than one book, but we're going to talk about that in a minute, your new book that's out. And you know, you, you put together new classes all the time. You're, you're finding different conversations to have like all these things. And like, I just know how prepared you are. I know how important reading is. I know how important uh, going back and reviewing your own notes. Like me, 
I'm just a meathead, dude. I doodle on the margins of my paperwork. You know what I mean? Like, that's how my brain works. And I'm jealous of guys like you that just crush it and organized and prepared and you execute. Brother, I, I'll tell you, man, from sitting back and becoming a friend of yours now and a brother and a colleague, man, I'm proud of you. I, I, I just no. think the weekly scrap has brought so much to the table and opened up a lot of conversations. And you're engaging a community that wants more. And you're the guy that's giving it to them. It's fantastic. Well, again, man, thank you. I'm terrible at taking compliments. I know that. That's why I keep doing it. (laughs) It's fun to to watch you uncomfortable. (laughs) So if you, I've got it audio only, not video. Yeah, right. Uh, But no, I do. I carry a. You know, you see that I made it out of duct tape that holds my little notebook, just so I, if I have a thought, I can write it down. I learned that from John Maxwell. He's like shower thoughts. Sure. We'd all be millionaires if we could remember our shower thoughts. And uh, God, that's so good. You know, I've never heard that before. I I, I don't I'm not familiar with that. But that every morning I'm like, I need to bring my phone into the shower and talk into my phone. No, dude, without a doubt. You start recording those those tidbits. Now, some of them are worthless. Don't get me wrong. But uh, some of them are are gold line. Uh, And I'm not just talking monetarily. I mean, just they're just good. Yeah. And uh, but I write. But here's the here's the whole thing. The inside scoop is that my brain is a tumultuous, chaotic mess. And so. I seek order. And it's like, this is something like Amanda, my wife. Yep. I'm not, I'm not allowed to go to Staples or office Depot or office max or any office supply store uh, by myself because I'll leave with all sorts of organizers and notebooks and uh, uh, things that are designed to bring order to the chaos. that is my mind. And, uh, and it's a, it's a problem because I'm constantly trying to figure out systems or something to, to, Organize the chaos that won't stop. That's awesome. And and it's not a joke. I'm not allowed to go to Staples without Amanda. I I mean, it's sort of a joke, you know, but. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, you brought up Amanda's name because I want to talk about Amanda for a minute. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be fun to get you two on an episode one day, too. I'm watching you grow your community and grow your uh, social media presence with your show, with Facebook, with your the Vigilantes now, which is a closed uh, group, a closed community of uh, people that get a little extra quarterly every month and so on. And, yeah. and it's just, it's hustle, man. And you are hustling. And this came out of, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I got to believe that this has grown exponentially and quicker and faster than you imagined it could have. Um, and I'm watching you, grow and I'm watching your community grow and I'm watching your message get firmer, harder, better, more entrenched. You've become and built a name for yourself in this industry that people respect and know. And so your wife, Amanda is amazing. And she's been with you for a long time through the fire service, watching your love for the fire service. She's now watching you grow out this whole podcast platform and social media platform, which has gone into the community, to a new book, to, you know, you name it. You're always on the go with this. What's, and and now she has become a fixture that is nothing but, she's going to outpace you shortly watching what she's doing because now no doubt. she's, she's, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost watching her fall in love with, something that many wives kind of dismiss or or don't want to be a part of or blame or uh, tear down or uh, so you know where I'm going with this like I'm trying to find the oh, right absolutely. the absolutely. right way uh, as you talk you're making me unpack it in my head because I've never really just deep dived into her journey you know that's yes. selfish for me to say but I'm sitting here going through it and you you touched on Gary V earlier yeah and and the value proposition and mm-hmm. I think as I as I as I retrospectively introspect on this, uh, her uh, journey—she's uh, amazing. Okay, first of all, I don't deserve her. She is amazing, and she's she highly supportive of me and everything I've ever done from way back in the day, my goofy ideas to being a, a lead singer of a rock band, all the way up to currently, you know, where I'm at in a uh, firehouse vigilance. She's always been a a phenomenal supporter of me. In fact, she teaches a class, and one of the big things is don't tear your purse, don't tear your spouse down especially in public ever, ever, you know, cause anyway, I, I go off on, uh, but yep, yep. the value proposition, and this is something I'm, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm just figuring this out. Her only goal when she started, uh, supporting firehouse vigilance was to bring value to me. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, it's amazing. Like, like, and 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 from that, because she did that, it has she has. And I told her, I said, "Hey, but you're pretty recognizable. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're pretty, you're pretty recognizable out there. A lot of people know who you are in the fire service." And uh, and and again, it was never intentional. In fact, she went down to Savannah, Georgia, to do the Fire Wife Life uh, 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 conference there and speak. Right. Mm-hmm. And she taught her class. She's not a speaker. She's not. Uh, it's never been a thing. It's never been a passion. Anything like that. And she, I, I can tell you, a week before, she's like, "I'm not doing this ever again." This is, this is <laughs> and then she went down there. For, I wasn't there, but everything I've heard, she absolutely knocked it out of the park. I'm sure she did. And, I'm sure she did. And uh, and and, but it's resonating. And again, it goes back to that value proposition. She's just trying to bring value to it yeah but why why like why because this is your thing right but what's so fun to watch is she's making it your it's she's making it both of your things now right like this our thing thing. right it was hard for me to put it in yes it's it's your (laughs) right because i say your it's you but no right it's both of you now are making it something important to both of you which i think only betters your friendship, your marriage makes things stronger because she recognizes the importance of what you're doing, the passion you have for it, the sacrifices you're making. And then she's like, you know what? I'm going to go in on this too because I like, yeah, I mean, that is powerful, man, because, you know, not every spouse, husband or wife, right, is not, they they don't hop in and go at it like their spouse does because they they just don't want to or they have they resent it it gets in the way you know and and so on and listen Absolutely. i i you know we all live this you know um and there's plenty of ups and downs and ebbs and flows but it's fun to watch that amanda's getting her own personality now and the fact that she now gave uh, her own uh lecture you know right. uh presented her ideas and thoughts at a at an event like man that's what are you like a are you like a proud are you so proud of that like how awesome is that i can't even put it into words yes i am of her and 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 really truthfully vice versa i mean i'm not saying that she's proud of me but it's that it's that of course she is of course she is we're we're amazing at fighting we're good at that oh we all are yeah right but i don't want to paint it like just all roses but uh a thousand percent it's it's the mutual uh respect and support and this is the other part that comes into it is we are very blessed. And I tell people this all the time because they ask me, how can you do all this, travel and speak and ha- have the full-time job? And my kids are all adults. Uh, yeah. My youngest is 22. He's on the job here at OKC Fire. Just finished his uh, probationary I year. I saw that the I'm other day. I saw that. Yeah, I'm very proud of him. Yeah. But they're all adults, and none of them have given us grandbabies yet. So we have this window right now Yes. Uh, to where we can focus 100% or you know 90%, and we're not taking away from anybody uh, because you know they're – young adults starting their married lives and things like that. They have their own lives and, and to, it's just, we're not taking away from the little league games or the grandkids or anything. So right now it's a very special place that a lot of people, you know, to do what we do have to be, have to be given up something else. And I, so everything happens for a reason. For sure. But, but you know, what's fun about this, right? It's like, this is like that honeymoon phase for you guys right now. Right. So after you got married, oh, yeah. right. You got a few years and you have kids. Now the kids grow up and they're out. You don't have grandkids. This is like a honeymoon phase all over. And you could be traveling and going off doing what you do. And she could be home doing what she does or she travels her way or, or follows through on other passions. But instead you guys are now aligning yourselves with traveling together to go to these shows and these conferences and to teach and train. And I watch her promote you on Facebook. And I mean, it's just so exciting. And I, I, I really enjoyed my time with her when we were in Texas a few months back. And that's where I got to meet her and, and, and have some conversations and something that stood out to me. Um, she's just, uh, she's incredible. And she does, she makes you look good. She makes you look better, sound better. I mean, that's just fact, brother. Admit it. No, but, 100%. but I watched that night we went to dinner all of us after that conference, right? And that was yeah, when yeah. Mike Mike Dugan was sitting next to us, and then yeah. uh, uh, Gordon was there. We had a bunch of just you know, you and I are sitting at a table of heavy hitters, and yeah, yeah, just ama- just jaw dropping stories. After what story after story. what a night that was! What a no doubt. What a dinner! Talk about just talk about that a little bit, because for me to talk about it, I, and I will, I'll hop in. But I would love you to paint through because Amanda was there. And the reason why how I got there with this was I watched her face during the back and forth 
And she sat there with like this look of like awe almost of like, this is dinner conversation. Meaning like the, the historical things that were discussed yeah. or the, the, you know, powerful conversations we were having. And she was privy to that. And I know watching Terry, my wife, be involved in conversations like that. Like at the end of the night, she always looks at me and goes, oh, my God. Like this yeah. is this is incredible. She's like, if people only knew. And I said, I know that's that's the point of this. But that that to me is why when I go to these places, I get so recharged. But talk about that night a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm not oh, trying don't to. Mind at all, yeah, man. it just I, I would love for you to kind of paint a picture of like what that was. Uh, to, for me, it was just sitting in awe. It, it was almost <laughs> like when a uh, when a when a when a scrap is 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 humming. Up. And you know what I'm talking about. Whenever when it gets in the groove and it's yeah. coming along and things. Like but it was uh, sitting there, and Mike Dugan, who's one of the most humble uh, people I've ever met. You know, he he they, when he brought up the picture of hanging the flag on 9/11. Yeah. And they they pull up the picture, and the first thing he says is, "See that guy holds the ladder there." And he starts talking about that guy who went, who, who died, you know, in, serving in Iraq. Yes. And, uh, and, and everything was, was, I don't want to say deflection because that's not what it was. It was, Hey, th this is a full story. I want to get the full story out there. This isn't about me, but just to sit there and me and Amanda have talked about that evening uh, and, and like, man, I wish Jack, you know, our son yeah. would have been able to sit down there at the end of that table. Because, sure. Uh, and that's what people don't understand when you go to these conferences, those, those, those moments that occur. And it's not like, uh, he's, it, you have to almost be there to understand the powerful and the significance of it. And, uh, and it's hard to trans, like you said, it's hard to talk about because if you weren't there, it just sounds like you're gushing about a guy you met. And that's not the point. The point right. was the tradition, the legacy, the, the power, the impact of that time and moment and space. And being there and with the people, you know, even Clyde Gordon, you know, yep, uh, was sitting there with, you know, his mouth kind of hanging open, just yeah. listening and absorbing. <laughs> and it was just a, yeah, uh, you can't, you can't manufacture that. And I was, I was poking Mike Dugan the whole time and just prompting him with like leading questions, oh, yeah. right? Like Dude. I was just, yeah, I was laying the, I was putting the breadcrumbs out and just letting him follow. And it was just awesome i was sat i was sitting there man i was like man i wish we recorded that that would have been the best scrap in the best national fire radio podcast <laughs> ever um but I, I think the importance of this and why i wanted to mention this was um i think you have to find opportunities and going to conferences and being willing to break bread or have a have a pop or or put yourself in a position where you want to just surround yourself with people that will probably make you better. And yeah. I, I think it's all about making your own opportunities to do that. I walked away from that trip that night and that, that, that dinner will, will probably be a lasting memory in my mind for all time to come. And it yeah. wasn't, and it should be said, like this wasn't a dinner of just like the instructors that were there for that conference. Like anybody was welcome to join us. And there were a couple guys that were, that were, um, you know, attendees at the, at the conference that came with us. And I remember when we walked out, we took the picture outside the restaurant and these guys were yeah. like, oh, I'm like, no, get it. Like you're a part of this. And, and they were able, and because they were willing to come to dinner and give some of their more time, they were privy to a conversation that most people will never hear in their lives. And it was just very, very powerful. It was strong. It was strong. Like you said, uh, looking back on life, man, that's one of those evenings I'll always remember with fondness. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. The weekly scrap. How many people have said no to you? Said no? Yeah. I'm trying to think because I'm usually pretty soft sell. So I'm like, hey, uh, my name's Corley Moore. I do a show called The Weekly Scrap. I would like to know if you'd be interested, you know? This is, and this, I just kind of throw I was, it out there. This is where I was going with this, Chief. I, I don't see you. I, maybe I'm wrong. How, what was it like for you to make cold calls in the beginning? Man, I, the thing that probably, the reason the scrap exists, like I said, everything happens for a reason. <clears throat> but the reason I think the scrap exists and didn't die uh, early, because there's a lot of podcasts that pop up and go away. Yeah. They do. They, you yeah. know, they pop Absolutely. up. They pop up, they show up 15 episodes. It's usually about the, probably the, the I would say that's a long one. 11 is probably more the, the make or break. But uh, long story short, COVID 
shut down FDIC. It shut down every minor sure. conference. It shut down fire. It shut down everything right when I started the scrap. And so when I would send, I didn't cold call. I basically Facebook messaged. Yeah. Or Instagram. Well, still a cold you know, call. But, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, but I, yes. And I would just send the, hey, my name is Corley Moore. I do a, a, a interview show where I interview passionate firefighters about their passions and right. let them be passionate. That right. was pretty much what I put down in the thing. But I, I really do believe that early on, if all the conferences weren't closed and all of a sudden all these uh, speakers everywhere across the country were left with no, uh, just open calendars. And so I was right place, right time. My, my opportunity came along and I was, I don't say I was prepared because some of those early ones are pretty rough, but I adapted pretty quick. <laughs> the early ones are my favorite. I mean, that, that, it's the same with me. Like, and I'm actually right. getting back to that format a little bit. I mean, obviously cleaning up audio, making it better, but but the format and the roughness of it, I think, is why we've had success, and I think it's why you've had success, is that, and I say success, it, it just putting a word to it, but, like, the fact that people are willing to listen and dive in and believe in our content and believe in our message, Right. And building out a community. But like Absolutely. those early ones, man, I mean, it takes courage. It takes effort, uh, sacrifice. And man, the reason why I asked about the cold call is you got to put yourself out there. And most people do not want to do that. I might have had a few pops the first time. Yes, I of course. A little courage. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Help. Like, what's the worst thing? It's like asking the hot girl to dance with you. You know, the worst thing yes. they can say is no. Yeah. And they're not dancing with you anyway. Yeah. And what so, happens? What happens when you get her on a dance floor? Other people start to come. No doubt about it. And so, but I've, like I said, I'm very, very lucky. I never want to downplay that. I, my initial plan for the scrap was just me talking about my thoughts. And the first 10 is me doing that. They're like 10 long each. Here's the thing. I don't have that great of thoughts, honestly. So <laughs> there wasn't. There wasn't that much content there. Court Smith, and I give him credit, uh, he was the 11th, episode 11. He was our fool's president at the time. And he asked me, he's like, hey, I want to be on your show. This weekly, I want to be on the scrap. He actually was the first. Oh, that's right. You told me about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I was like, really? You would? Okay. And so I did it. Dude, I loved it. I like the first interview. I was like, oh, this is way better than me talking. That's cool. And so. That's cool. I love that. I love that. Well, listen, it's progressed forward. It is, uh, you have built quite a community and your passion for it is just prevalent in everything you do. Talking about everything you do, I mean, you are a published author as well. So not only do you talk, but you write. Talk to me about the nine L's, key concepts for building a high performance culture. Talk to me about your newly released book, September, right? It came out? Yes, yes. Released in September uh, and uh, it's been... Uh, the back order, it's on back order right now. So I'm, I'm waiting, waiting for, for mine. Coming. Yeah, I got to sign more books and send them. I get hand cramps. I, it's a great problem to have to get hand cramps from signing so many books and sending them out. It's I awesome. want a personalized yeah. note in the front cover. I want oh, something more than just bro. your than just your name. Oh, dude, without a doubt. I, I don't <laughs> just sign it ever. Oh, if I know the person cool. at all. Good, good, if, good. If I can remember who they are or their and, – and I want to say this real quick before I get in my notes. The audience is what makes the scrap magical. It really is. Their interaction and them asking the guests the questions because they ask the best questions. Uh, you know, the the group, uh, I don't say group thing, but whatever that's called. But anyway, audience, I wanted to give it up to them. Right. Uh, 100%. The nine L's. Uh, it's funny because it started kind of me following Amanda. Everything starts with Amanda uh, around a Hobby Lobby and seeing that live, laugh, love, you know, that everybody <laughs> has seen. My kids my kids have a field day with that shit when everybody labels their home with that stuff. And then, yeah, anyway, go ahead. But it it just kind of started my brain thinking because, you know, I'm in there smelling all the potpourri and everything else. I'm just thinking live, laugh, love. What else is there? Oh, you can learn. You got to labor. You got to listen. You got to laugh. You got to love, you know, all those. And uh, so they just kind of, it kind of came together. I think there was actually 11 at one time, but then I, I melted it down into the nine L's. And I originally built it as a class to teach to the officers in my own department. So that's where it started. And I taught the class since 2018. I've been teaching the class. And uh, I realized that uh, as as I traveled all last year at the airport, I would just break out my laptop and start turning the class into the book. So it's a book form of the class that I've been teaching. Sure. And uh, as it's refined. And, and, uh, but no, I firmly believe this, that if you follow the nine L's, the principles of the nine L's, that 
it is the key to being a better father, a better husband, a better mother, a better boss, CEO, employee. Like they are universal principles. They're not new. I didn't make them up. They've, I mean, they've been around since like Marcus Aurelius and, and Julius Caesar and, and before, you know, pharaohs of Egypt. Right. The, the high performance cultures back then, I firmly believe, shared these principles in some way, shape or form. And yeah, it's but just, uh, it's but it's your take. Ahead. No, but it's your take. I it, mean, is, you know, it is my take with a lot of stories to drive it home. Yeah, and 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 a hundred, man. In my own personal, you know, I'm 26 years now in the fire service, and all of my I don't want to just say like it's, I'm super successful. But all of my success has come when I've stuck to these principles, and, and and the ones that have worked, I've doubled down on, and I've I've shucked the stuff that didn't work, and shared some of those stories of failures also in the book. And but it is it's it's it, it works. That's the biggest th- takeaway. It's worked for more people than me before me, and and I think it's really digestible. Also, what so. what has it done? I mean, I know what it's doing when you give your class and <clears throat> excuse me, people read your book and they get their takeaway points and 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 the fact that you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable and share some experiences that probably weren't in the best light for yourself or mistakes you've made. Right. And we learn sure. from that, right. That is self accountability. But what's, what's your takeaway from this? Everything you do, you are so dialed in. What's your takeaway on all this writing this book? What did writing this book do for you? Oh man, dude, I, you're making me really good. Sorry, excuse me while I call. Well, because you listen, you you're you're no, you're fine, brother. I know we didn't mention before you got a hell of a sinus infection, and I I had to bribe you to come on with me today. You know, you were just saying no, 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 and I was like, no, I need you on today. But no, I'm kidding. But like with the book, I mean, what's what's the take for you? Because you're so dialed in and giving, giving, and giving. You are the you are the definition of the value proposition that I talk about all the time. I appreciate that and say thank you for saying that. Uh, one part that I realized about myself is that I laid tile for 17 years as my day off job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and one thing about laying tile is it's mindset. Because yeah. there's this, this massive floor in front of you and you're putting down these squares or whatever the shape, usually squares, rectangles, sure. whatever. But the mindset is to stick the next one down and keep sticking the next one down and keep sticking the next one down. And before you know it, if you just keep sticking them down, the floor will be done and you will get paid and you will be finished. And so I've always, and I say all that because I was good at laying tile because of that mindset of just put the next one down, just put the next one down. And so even writing the book, it was just write the 200 words today. 200 words is nothing. If you're a writer, if you write it all, 200 words is nothing. But my whole goal was 200 words every day. Just it's the tile, put the tile down. And, and the, and the reason is the catharsis at the end is, is ultimately the payoff I'm after. Yes. Is that that's the reward for me is the catharsis of, holy, I did this. I actually did this. I put every tile down and it's done. And look how beautiful it is. You know, look at this beautiful floor that I, I put down here. And uh, I never realized that till retrospectively looking at it. But I'm I'm good at just uh, I hate the term grinding because I think it's overused. Yeah, I get it. But uh, but just putting the two hundred words down. So let or, me ask you, let me ask you this then: If it's all about mindset, have you always had this mindset? Oh no, no! This is a maturity that's come yes. uh, over over time. Yeah. Uh, now I I obviously had it somewhat with laying tile. I just didn't I didn't have the ability to recognize. Yeah, you didn't uh, put it together. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that's why I was good at laying tile because I had. Hey, just get the next one down. And I I'm sure a lot of it came from my father. You know, he he gave me a good work ethic, and I think that's part of it. Uh, but uh, foundation is important for sure. And and don't get me wrong, I railed against him completely. Oh, of course, and we all have railed and railed and rebelled and yes. blah blah blah. You know, but uh, so no, no, absolutely not. I I, I pretty much put like age twenty seven ish. That's when I read Seven Habits Highly Effective People. Yeah, uh, it's when I started accepting my. I, I don't want to say accepting my role as a dad because I've been a dad for like seven years at that point, like eight years. So I don't want to say I started accepting it, but it's where the the lessons of being a father really started to hit home, and. Uh, and just kind of the turning point of maturity in my own life. Now that maturity maturation process probably took another 15 years to get to, to a full effect, but no. Yeah. And, and listen, I appreciate you going down that road and, and thank you for the answer because, you know, I, I find myself, I mean, I'm 45 years old and I find that uh, with maturity, with age and experience, you, you sort of change and you, 
I don't want to say grow up, but mature is certainly a word that that is on the tip of my tongue. But it's it's a different mindset. And I'm finding over the last few years for myself that I have really come into a different place than where I used to be. And I think for the people that listen to your show and the people that listen to my show, they're often they're looking for answers. They're looking for guidance. They're looking for people that have been through a process that they might be uh, enduring right now and trying to find some type of return or some type of answer or something to grab onto a little slice of hope maybe or something, right? Just, I mean, it could be super extreme to, to just a little bit of advice sets you off and puts a smile on your face for the day. Right. But absolutely. You can kindred spirit or even just, I'm not alone. Oh, uh, yes. Someone else has been where I'm at. Yeah. And I think, I think what's fun about this is explaining in, in our own journeys and, and letting people know that it's okay to not be where you think you need to be today. And it's okay that through your fire service career, through your life with your families, getting married, your spouse, your jobs, whatever it is, it's a journey. And I, and I, yeah. I think that talking with you today, that's really what this is all about because I've been fortunate to watch the last five years of your journey or, you know, four years of your journey. And for me who has become a friend and a uh, confidant and, and a brother to you. Um, it's important to watch and support what you're doing. And I think just in life in general, we all have people like that, that we're watching and we're watching them, you know, mature. We're watching them have struggles. We're watching them ebb and flow and, and go through the paces of life. And, you know, it's just, if, if, if the weekly scrap and national fire radio, if we have any ability to, offer uh uh you know anything it's you're gonna get through it man like you know life is crazy you mature through life you learn through experience and so on and so i just you know to anybody that's listening that's looking for a little slice of something i hope that maybe we can offer that in in some roundabout way and i think that's part of what pushes me to continually do this and i think it's the same for you absolutely and i want to say this and i've told you this before i think i've told you this in almost every interview we've done but National Fire Radio is one of the reasons I started doing <laughs> Firehouse Vigilance. You know, uh, Fit to Fight Fire and uh, National Fire Radio are two of the big influences on me trying to do something like this. And and here's the here's the part I don't think I've ever said before. It was intimidating to reach out to Jeremy Daunch the first time and say, hey, would you like to be on the show? That's and hilarious. I met Rob Ridley, you know, and reach out and say, hey, would you like to be on the show? And uh, But this is one thing I'll say, dude. You th- There is no... Uh, uh, I'm big time. Uh, who are you? You know, you don't get that from Jeremy. You get, man, what can I do to help you out? Hell yeah. That's a powerful, powerful, but I, 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 you know, you were national fire radio. You know I, what I'm saying? That's yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's the, and, and you know what, Corley, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because it's the same thing that I just spoke about sitting at that table that night after that conference and having dinner with guys like Mike Dugan. Right. And, and Clyde Gordon, like that, it, 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 that's what it's about. Right. There, there's no there's no walls and there's no you know, there's no this or that. It is literally come as you are and be yourself, be true, be authentic, be a part of the conversation. And anybody's willing to talk to you. Yes, dude, it's so it's so powerful. Uh, a couple of things on growth, man, because that's what we were kind of talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I think it was Major Davis at my fire department. I don't know where he got the quote, but he basically said, if you're the same person you were 10 years ago, you're probably a piece of crap. And I love that quote to think about because that really is what it's all about is growing, you know? And so, uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to throw it's in. Good. I wanted to throw that in. It's good. So <laughs> the book is doing well. Um, you, you got, you're waiting for more copies to come in so you can get them out. I know that you've been moving them, uh, which is great to see. I saw that the, um, the, it was forwarded by Chief Scott Thompson, um, who I believe has oh, yeah. become a good friend of yours um, through. Oh, he's a huge mentor. Huge mentor. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. That's powerful. Um, and I just want to say this, man. I, I'm super proud of what you've done, what you're building, um, who you are. I'm proud of your friendship and or our friendship and uh, and so on. It's fun to watch you and Amanda navigate the waters together. I'd love to get you both on. I'd love to get her take on some of this, too. So we're going to have to do that down the road. Um, Let's plan it. Yeah. What's next for the weekly scrap firehouse vigilance, Corley Moore, Amanda Moore. What's next for you guys? Whoo. Uh, just right now, like you said, the exponential growth has been unexpected. 
like very welcome. It's a great problem to have. It's sure. trying to keep my arms around uh, yes. what what I, I know you know exactly what I'm saying. It's just like what am I neglecting? What am I not getting done? Why do I feel like I'm not focused right now? And, and that really is it because the speaking engagements are coming, flying. Uh, uh, the opportunities to speak. The uh, book, of course, finished up. I'm trying to get the, uh, the audible version of the book. Also, on the book, if you don't want to wait for the back order, you can go to Amazon and order the book. It just won't be signed by me. So it is available on, on Amazon. But um, the Nine Nails, I'm getting the audible version done of it. I'm recording it myself. Uh, a lot. I, I took a poll at the Vigilantes. They said, no, you have to do it yourself because if someone else reads it, it won't be right. And I'm like, okay. So, But I was like, what can I do to make the audible version really cool, right? And so I've got... Uh, a pretty good network of people I know. And, and there's 11 interviews, one after each chapter. Uh, That's to, uh, cool. And so Aaron Fields is doing the one on learn. And, uh, you know, Ike is going to close out the book with a, with a bonus content is basically what I'm calling it. So I really do think I'm really excited about that. And, uh, and of course, anyway, I can sit here and, and talk. If I open up the chaos, it is my brain and start talking about all the things. It's it's too much to handle. But yeah, a lot coming down the pipe: teaching, writing, Audible, uh, and and trying to keep bringing uh, passion to the fire service. Brother, well, from an outsider who digests your content, watches your show, listens to your podcast, I, I just I just want to say that uh, you know it is fun to watch and it's fun to watch you grow. It's well deserved. The hustle is real. And, uh, man, I appreciate you as a brother and a friend. Where can people find you? How do they get a hold of that book? Where can they, uh, where can they reach out to you if they want to talk to you or follow up on this conversation? All the social medias, uh, cool. firehousevigilance.com, uh, if you want to get the book, firehousevigilance.com. If you want to join the vigilantes, firehousevigilance.com. Uh, that is, and if you order the book, there's a notes section when you order. Put in the notes anything you'd like it to say in the, in the, in the, when I sign it. Uh, but firehousevigilance.com, all the social medias, Firehouse Vigilance, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, back to you, because I wanted to say this to you, because you always hype me up, <laughs> man. Uh, 100% uh, National Fire Radio, what you got, this audio content you guys have been cranking out here is is on fire. I've been, in, it's been my, my go-to listening to in the ride. And so uh, I, I love, this is, this is what I'll say. The authenticity in your compliments, I know because I, you appreciate the the hard work because I, I know how hard you work. Yeah, thank you. Wow, thank you. So. That's uh, it's overly kind, but I, you know, I need to do this because it's important to me. And uh, you know, ultimately, uh, it's just uh, it's an endeavor that I'm so grateful that I started, and I'm glad that I pushed myself to do what we do today. And, uh, well, thank you, brother. It means the world when, uh, when people say things like that. So I truly appreciate it. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance, the weekly scrap. Check him out online if you don't already. Support him. Check out his book, The Nine L's, Key Concepts for Building High-Performance Culture. This guy's got it together. Chief Moore, thank you. Stay right here. I'm going to sign out of the show. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Another episode with an incredible guest, Corley Moore. This guy brings a lot to the table. Check him out if you don't already. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Like, follow, subscribe, share with your neighbor. Tell them how good we're doing here. Tell them about the content we're putting out. And keep talking about the job, because when we talk about the job, the job gets better. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Be safe. We'll see you at the next one.